As we take our seats, I'll just open in prayer. Lord, I just thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord. I just pray that your Holy Spirit takes it and places it in our heart and brings forth change that, Lord, you desire. Pray, Lord God, that what's shared is truth and life. Thank you, Lord. And, Lord, I just pray for each of our hearts to receive it. Amen. You shall. About four weeks ago, I think I shared a message on delight ourselves in the Lord. And I finished that, and I I only finished the first part of it. And I thought, oh, that's okay. I'd prepared quite a bit of it. But then Peter rang up and said, listen, out of the blue, he said, I'd like you to preach on, on this day. So I knew that I was to finish finish it and to do all of it. So if we could have the first um, uh, first slide up, please. This is what it was from, but it's blessed is the man. Blessed is the woman. Blessed is anybody who delights in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper or flourish. And I shared on delighting ourselves in the Lord and talked about the difference between God loves us at all times, no matter what. But delight is different. Delight is two-way. And I used the example of grandchildren. They can come in and sometimes grandchildren can come in as children can be and they're a little bit tired or surly or whatever. And they walk in the house and you say, hello, little Zara, how are you? And she gives you the... Funny look and walks on, there's no delight. But when they come in and they say, hello, Papa, and they open their arms and they run and jump into your arms, there's a delight that goes on. And we find that in relationships. And it's no different to the Lord. When he comes to us and he finds us tired from work, under the weather from our circumstances, grizzling in our heart, he loves us completely. It doesn't change that. But there's no delight going on. And he's asking for us to delight in him. Delight in the law of the Lord. Delight in Jesus Christ. And in his law, he meditates day and night. It's something that we do always, delighting himself, ourselves in him. Meditating on his law. Meditating on his words. And that's what I shared last time. But I want to go on for the next bit. And the next bit is, he shall he shall. It's not he might or you might. He says you shall. There's no doubt about it. It will happen. And you'll sit there and think, well, it hasn't happened so far. I've got issues in my life that still are there. But God's promise is that it shall. It's not a might. He's using the imagery of a tree here, but it really applies to us in in our fullness of life. You see, Abraham, Abraham was called from where he was in Haran. And he said, God said, come out from your family, leave your kindred, come with me and we'll establish, you'll find. I'll give you a land. I'll give you a nation's nation and give you nations. That was the promise to Abraham. But you know, 
he made heaps of mistakes. First thing, he went down into Canaan. Then a famine came along. God had said him there and said, this is your land. Famine came and he went down to Egypt. God didn't tell him to go to Egypt. Got to Egypt and Pharaoh looked at his wife and said, oh, she's pretty good looking. She can be in my harem. She can come and be my wife, one of my many wives. Abraham says, she's my sister. She didn't say, she's my wife. She's mine. The Lord has given her to me. He says, she's my sister. And so Pharaoh takes her. So God has to come and plague Pharaoh's household so that Pharaoh's eyes are opened and he gives Sarah back to Abraham and says, get out of my land. What are you doing this to me for? It was a mistake. He was acting ungodly and he was making mistakes. But God's promise never wavered over him. He shall. God has said to him, I shall give you this land. And so God continued to seek to give him that land even to cause plagues to come on Pharaoh's household so that he would have that land. It's not a might. It's not conditional upon how you walk your life. It's conditional upon as your heart set on delight towards the Lord. See, Abraham hadn't taken his eyes off God. He was just doing something foolish. He was scared. But if you grabbed Abraham and asked him inside his heart, he would have still said, oh, yes, my, my, my delight is in God. It's to my God whom I pray to every night. And so God's promises were sure and amen over him. We know the story of David. David was a king, and David was given the promise that his kingdom would never end. His son, 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 sons, and this kingdom would never end. And we know the result of that. Jesus Christ is on the throne. And David's kingdom, who Jesus is the direct descendant on, will never end. It's a truth and a promise has come to pass and is still coming to pass. It's still occurring. But David, what did he do? Well, he did many things, but one thing, he looked at a woman he shouldn't have looked at. Murdered her husband. Then he finally took her to his wife and he had Solomon. And it was through Solomon that Jesus Christ was born, the lineage of Solomon. You see, it's not on your righteousness that God determines whether he shall or shall not complete the promise. If it was on your righteousness, he would not complete his promises. His promises would fall to the ground. And it would be, if you delight in the Lord, you might become like a tree planted by the rivers. And you might bring forth some fruit in season. And you might be able to look green when times are pretty tough. And you, and you might prosper. But that's not the purpose and promises of God. Because the promises of God are not, not based in you. The promises of God is based in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 1, 2 says, For all the promises of God, and your version might just say, and all the promises of God are yes and amen. But that's not the full truth. All the promises of God in him, who's him? In Jesus Christ are yes, and in him, in Jesus Christ, are amen. Because of Jesus Christ, that's why God says he shall. He shall. 
That's why he says he shall, not that he might. So even though David made mistakes, the promises over David that he would be a king and his lineage and he would have offspring and his kingdom would be forever, that remained true and sure. He shall, he shall, he shall. And it did. And it is. You see, it's, it's like a big mud puddle. If you go to play in a mud puddle, I can say you shall get dirty. You'll get muddy. I know that. Certainty. You go play in a mud puddle, you'll come out with mud all over you. No question about it. And that's what God says with his promises. That's what God says. You delight in me and you shall. You delight in me and you shall. No questions. And so I just want to go through the rest of the verse. You shall be, and he's using the tree like uh, the image of a tree here. But he said, and we could just have the next slide, please. You shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. That's a fig tree. It's got figs on it if you can look real close. So I've had to find one that had fruit as well as, because I want to get to the fruit part as well. But you shall be like a tree. Now you're not might be, you shall be. Planted, planted by whom? Planted by yourself? Planted by somebody else? Who plants you? And you know the answer. It's God who plants you. Planted by God. God has a specific place for every person to be planted. It's not by choice. It can be by your choice, but it's not by God's choice. He says, I want you to be planted right there. Oh, what about Lord? What about Lord over here? No, 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 no. My planting is for you to be there. He knows where you're to be planted. He knows exactly where you are to be planted. And if you delight yourself in him, he shall plant you. You turn your eyes away from him and plant yourself. It doesn't change God, but God will still continue to call you back. Delight yourself in me and I'll plant you in the right spot. He's already planted us in certain places. All of you were born in a family. You had no choice over the matter. God planted you there. You mightn't like your family, or you might like your family, but that's irrelevant. God planted you there. You were planted by God. He knew you before you were born from the womb of your mother. And he knew that. And it was his decision that you were planted there. Not that you were planted in my family or somebody else's family. No, you were to be planted in that family. We then have decisions to make often in lots of our other plantings. What church do I go to? In my case, God planted me here. He planted my wife and I here 30, 38 years ago. He planted us. There's many a time I say to my shame that I've cried and said, Lord, I want to be planted elsewhere. And he says, you're to be planted here. You're to be planted here. You're to grow up here. You're to stay. Lord, I want to go. I live. I don't know, half an hour away by car. I get tired of driving over here, I say to the Lord. I want to go local. And God says to me quietly, I've planted you where I desire you to be. God plants each one of us. It's not convenient to us. 
convenient for his glory. He plants us. And the other aspect of planting is not only who plants us, but how you're planted. I don't know how many of you have planted something. I used to plant trees. And you'd be up on a hillside just planting the trees. You'd have a spade, you'd thrust it in, you'd pull it back, you'd put the tree in, hit it with your foot right beside it, onto the next one. You're planted every thousand trees you planted. I think we got 33 cents in those days. So you had to go like anything all day. It's okay. Young and fit, strong and stupid, something like that. <laughs> Work all day. Do you good. Does you good. But, you know, some of those trees were planted well, and some weren't planted well. Sometimes when you're going fast, uh, I wasn't a Christian in those days, and you're putting a tree in it, it didn't really, you didn't really care after you'd planted it how you'd planted it, as long as you could count it. It was planted. <laughs> but God counts how you're planted, and he wants you to be planted strong and secure. So when he talks about here, you shall be planted, it's not only where, but he says you're going to be planted securely. We think of Matthew 7, the story of planted on a rock or planted in sand. Tells the story of a man who built a house, and he says he built it on a rock. And the winds came, and the waves came, and storms came. Oh, it was planted well, that house. That tree was planted, and it stood firm. Not like the man who planted in the sand. Easy to plant in sand. Easy to build on sand. Same looking house. But the storms came and the rains came and the winds came and the house fell. And oh, great was that fall, the Bible says. Wasn't planted well. And it toppled. And God says, you you shall be planted. You shall be planted and you shall be secure. Right in my place. If you do what? If you delight yourself in him. So you don't have to do the planting. God does the planting. You don't have to do the securing. God does the securing. You just have to delight yourself in him. And you're planted where? Well, before we go on to where, the thing about planting is you plant so the roots go down. You want the roots to go down. And the roots go down and take a firm grip in the soil and also bring up the nutrients of the soil. See, roots speak about endurance. Roots speak about strength. The strength in the tree is not in its top. The strength in this tree is in its roots. And you'll all know that if you've planted trees or pushed trees or done anything with trees. Sure, it's good to cut them down and use the timber in their trunk, But the strength of that tree to stand the winds and the strength of the tree to stand and endure is in the roots. And so God tells another story in the Bible about that. And he's talking in Matthew and he's talking about the sower sowing the seed. And he says, the sower sows the seed and some felt on stony ground. And it said the word was quickly grasped and it grew. But then it withered and died because there was no roots in the stony ground. The roots had started to go down, but they hadn't gone anywhere. They hadn't penetrated into the soil. And so the word was lost and there was a death. 
But God is different. He says, no, no, you'll be planted by the rivers of water and your roots will go down and you will be strong. And that's not a if, that's a shall. Delight yourself in the Lord and I shall plant you, saith the Lord. I'll plant you so you will endure. So not only plant you where you need to be, not only plant you securely, but I'll plant you so you will endure and have great strength. If we could have the next slide up, please. See, this is, you, know, you know, most of you will know this verse. But it says that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And they shall mount up with wings as eagles. And they shall run and not grow weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Again, God's using different imagery here. But he says, you shall, you shall, you shall, you shall. If you wait. And what does that wait mean? That's wait like a waiter waits on a table. That's waiting like a lady in waiting waits on the queen. That's waiting like the cupbearer Nehemiah does on the king. And when they wait, and if you know anything about royalty or the kings, the people who wait on them, their eyes are fixed on the king or the queen. And when the queen needs something, the lady in waiting runs and makes sure she has it. In fact, they're anticipating what she wants. They're thinking, what's, what's, what's the queen going to want next? I'll make sure it's ready. When the king wants to go out and have his shoes, he wants to go out and he says, well, get my shoes. The butler at that point doesn't think, oh, where are the shoes? I better go clean them. He's already cleaned them. He's already polished them. Runs and gets them, polishes them again and brings them to the king. That's that sort of waiting. It's no different than a great waiter at a restaurant at a table. You're at the restaurant. He's not intrusive. He's not on your table messing around with it, but he's right there. Anything you need and a great waiter has it for you. He's there ready. You'd say, oh, I'd like this. I'd like another fork, please. No problems. And the other fork arrives. Quietly and unobtrusively, the waiter is there attending to your needs. And so when God says, those that wait upon the Lord, it's when we now sit down and we wait upon him. I'm delighting myself in him, but I'm waiting on him. I'm anticipating his needs. I'm not saying, Lord, I have this need. Lord, come and help me. No, 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 Lord, what do you need? What do you want? Lord, what's your command for me? Asking him. And seeking his will for these situations. Not mine. There's no waiter that comes to the table and says, oh, I think you should choose that meal. You shouldn't choose that one because I want you to eat that one. I mean, if you had a table and a waiter said that to you, you'd say, what? You might ask him for your advice, but you wouldn't, he wouldn't expect him to tell him what he thought you should eat. Because he wanted it eaten. No lady in waiting would go and tell the queen, oh, I think you should wear this dress today because I want you to wear it. No, they don't do that. They say to the queen, what would you like to wear to this such and such situation? She says, oh, wear this such and such gown, and they make sure it's there, all clean, all ready for her to wear. That's what God means when he says, wait upon me. Those that wait upon God have their eyes fixed on him, ready for his very move, ready for his very word to us. And then the words come out, they shall, they shall, they shall. Nehemiah, 
He was the cupbearer to the king, I think it was Artaxerxes. And he was the, the cupbearer to him. Now, he was a trusted man, and every now and then, I presume, he had to take a sip of the wine that he brought to the king, just so the king knew that it wasn't poisoned. Just it was, it was good wine coming to him at the right time. So Artaxerxes had his eyes fixed on the king. And you're always, when you're serving the king, you're not allowed to come in grizzling to the king. He came to the king with a smile. But one day, Nehemiah came in, because Nehemiah had been troubled about Jerusalem, troubled what was happening in his homeland. See, he, was a pre- he had left 70-odd years, well, roughly 70-odd years ago, not quite, but roughly, when they'd been taken away. And they'd been taken away to Babylon as a captive, as a nation. And there he was, serving Artaxerxes. But he was troubled about Jerusalem. He knew the temple was pulled down. He knew that it was desolation back there. And he was pondering that in his heart. And he had a downcast face. And the Lord, and the king said to him, what troubles you? And he told him what troubled him. And the king said, you can go back. You can go back and remedy that situation. And I will give you the goods and the letters that allows you to go back and get goods to fix that situation. See, that's what it's like with us with God. If we go to God, focusing on him, even though we've got a troubled heart about matters, God, he shall give you the desires of your heart. He doesn't hold back. He doesn't say, oh, you've got a troubled heart in my presence, as a normal king might do. He looks into your heart and he says, oh, what's, what is the issue? I will make sure that I have, you have resources for that to be fixed. That's our God. And so you're planted. You're planted. If we could just go to the next, script, next slide, please. By the rivers of living water. What are those rivers? And those rivers always speak of, in this case anyway, it's speaking of Jesus Christ. It's speaking of the written word of God. Because the rivers, waters, the rivers, the rivers of water give life. And it's the word of God and Jesus Christ who gives us life. John 6.63 said, It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. The word of God is life indeed. And so this tree is now on the bank with its roots down. And you know, it doesn't even have a choice. That's the way it's made. Trees are made so if there's water down there, the water goes into the cells of the root and they travel up cell by cell and they have little little channels, etc., of certain types of cell and they come up, up, up and they go out the branches. And what happens on the edge of the branch? It buds. So if we just go back to that tree, that slide of the tree, please. Look at the land behind it, and it's quite arid. And if that tree wasn't down by the river, but it's on that mountain up there, it wouldn't be as green, and it wouldn't bud. Come the season for fruit, its roots just wouldn't bud. It wouldn't be enough water. It would grow. It would exist. There might be a tree. In fact, there's not many trees up there, but you'd probably find one clinging on to the rock 
but never fruiting. But those trees that are planted down by the river, they've got no option. Their roots just start taking up that water. And come the season time, the bud forms. And the bud, and there's a process here, but the bud's only the first bit of it. That bud's got to flower. That bud's got, that bud's got to be pollinated. And that bud, it was, once it's set, has to grow as a fruit. See, that's God's promise to us. That even though you're in the midst of tribulation, even though that you might have a de- desert experience right now, you might be in the midst of financial hardship. You might have broken relationships. You might have regret over past decisions. Oh, why did I do that? What a foolish thing to do. And I imagine David, I know he did, because he wrote a psalm about it. He did. He regretted what he did. Even though you might have guilt on past failures, if you put your roots down into the rivers of living water, if you delight yourself in God, you automatically will bring forth a bud. You automatically will have new life. See, a tree can't, a tree can't stop it. You plant the tree by the river and it will bud. It will, no matter how dry it is, it will bud. And God's promise to you as a tree is that you have your roots into the word of God and into Jesus Christ, you will bud. A bud will come forth. And what does this bud speak of? It's new life. It's a new shoot. It's out of last year's wood, but it's a new shoot. And it grows. And then it bursts into a flower. And that flower speaks of, we're speaking of imagery here, it speaks of faith. It speaks of prayer. It speaks of the promise of things to come. You see, that fig tree, when it's in flower, hasn't fulfilled its promise. It looks more glorious than it does with fruit on it. It looks a better tree. But it hasn't reached its promise. So don't be deceived by looks. Don't be deceived by looks. Don't be deceived by big churches that say certain things. They look good. They've got thousands there. It's not the measure. The measure is the fruit. The measure is the fruit in your and my lives is the measure. We could have twice as many people in this room. And you might sit there and think, whoa, the church is better. Look, we've got twice as many people. No. The church is measured by the fruit. As we all are, he's talking about the truth. And you shall. You see, that's, that's, and even then, that flower has to be pollinated. And how does the flower get pollinated? Well, we know in the real world, a little bee comes along and goes from one flower to the next. But in this imagery for us, in our lives, how does my flower, I've got this new shoot, it's grown, I've got faith in my heart, it's, my faith has risen, my prayer life is pursuing after that which God has shown me. And the pollination is the Holy Spirit moving upon your heart and bringing forth the fruit, bringing into existence that which God has promised In David's case, it was a never-ending lineage, never-ending kingdom. In Abraham's case, the fruit came when the first son came. 
when Isaac came. That wasn't the full fruit, but it was part of it. Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then later on, nations. And Abraham died before he saw the nations. He never saw the fullness of it, but he saw the bud. He saw the flowering because he saw the Holy Spirit and he saw Isaac. And so he saw the first fruit come forth. And so the, the fruit has to grow. And what does it need to grow? I had my, I got a plum tree out the back of my house and I went out there and this plum tree I've looked after, not that well, but I've looked after it for about eight years. And it had about five little plums on it. <laughs> anyway, I went back out and they'd grown. They'd gone from little tiny plums to quite large plums. Then I went back out and the birds have got them and there's no more plums. <laughs> That's the way of that's the way of trees, but that's not the way of us in God's hands. Hallelujah! You see, it grows. Those fruit, those fruits, and those flowers that God has given you, and He says they shall come to pass. If your roots are in Him, you shall flower, and you will have many flowers, not just one. That's God's promises for you. He said, "You flower in the midst of a dry and arid place." In the midst of those things, you will flower and bear fruit. And that fruit will grow. And that fruit grows because more water is drawn up and goes out into the fruit. And so the fruit of the fig tree in that case becomes succulent and large. Not a small, dry, little hard thing, but a large succulent one that others like to partake of. And you shall be ones who will have fruit that others will come to. Why? Because you'll have large fruit that others will find succulent to come from and eat of. Why? Because it will be the things of God that you will share from your lives. Why is that? Because the world is a dry and hungry place, devoid of life. Devoid of life, the world is, because all life is in Christ. And it's through the church that Christ wishes to reach the world. It ripens and bears fruit, and the ripened fruit ministers. You see, this that whole process is very fragile without water. You take the water away, it doesn't occur. That tree will be sitting there. If that, if that river runs dry, that tree will wither. And it will not have fruit in season. I think I missed that bit out when it says in season. Let's go back and check that. It brings forth its fruit in its season. See, God only, God only plants you exactly where he wants you to be. He plants you there for your season. And your season will be different than my season. It might overlap. We're all here together, so it is definitely overlapping. But your season and my seasons are different. But God's promise is that you will have seasons won't be just once. God will continually bring through you life and you'll go through seasons and seasons and seasons and seasons and seasons in God. And they will all be fruitful even in the midst of tribulation, even in the midst of financial hardship, even in the midst of afflictions on your body. In the midst of all those, you'll be fruitful. And you can be fruitful. And your testimony will be different than the testimony of the dry person 
he says, oh, woe is me. Woe is me, this has happened to me. Woe is me, my relationship broke up and my wife left me. Woe is me. As opposed to the man who might say, whoa, I had a wrong relationship, very bad relationship and this happened, but I've gone forward in God and God has restored this, this and this. And you'll see when you meet him, the fruit of God in his life. He's put his roots down and he's taken up the life of Christ through his roots, through his body and has come out of fruit. As that tree does, in season, in season, and in season. Every season, that tree will fruit. Why? Because it's planted by the river of living water. And it will fruit. Because God's promises, it shall. Not it might. Because it's not dependent upon you. It's dependent upon him. The only dependence upon us is to make sure that our hearts are not hardened and that those my no, I'm, the heart here is my roots and my roots will absorb the water. That the word that goes forth from God to you, whether it's from the pulpit, whether it's from your friend, whether it's from when you read your Bible or whether when you're praying in your closet, the word of God, when it comes unto you, that you receive and let it go into your life and it will bring forth. And you can't stop it bringing forth. It will sprout, and you can't stop it sprouting. It will flower, and the Holy Spirit will pollinate it, and those promises will come to pass, and your faith will be fulfilled. Because it's in him, not in you, that the strength of God lies. For the strength of God in you will falter. Not God's strength, but we. But the strength of God in Christ never falters. And it will bring forth. And so I just want to share that with you this morning. That's a shell. You shall be planted. And you shall bring forth fruit in due season. And you shall prosper and flourish. And don't get your eyes on the wrong thing of prospering. You see, Paul prospered. He prospered more than all of us. But you wouldn't have called him amongst one of the wealthiest men in the world. In fact, I suspect he was rather poor in money terms. But he still prospered. See, to prosper is to flourish in God, where you are for your time in your season. There are others, and I'll use Abraham as one, who had lots of sheep and lots of cattle. And was prosperous even in material things. Was also prosperous in the nations. And the thing that he's remembered for is not his material things. The thing that Abraham is remembered for and counted as a man of faith is that he believed that nations would come from him as God had promised him. So his prospering in the God was that nations would come from him. So don't look at prospering as the world looks at it. Oh, He's got a big job. He's got a small job. He's got a lot of money. He's got not much money. None of that counts. It's whether, whether, whether you are planted in the right place, whether you know that you're planted in the right place, whether you know you're secure, securely planted by God, and whether you know that you are drawing up the living waters of our God through you and you are flourishing. And you know that. 
And you know that when the storms come and when the sun comes out and burns down and every others, the world's leaves wither, yours will remain green and strong and you'll flourish because your roots are in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah.